Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Mac Report, a whistle-stop tour of the weekend's fixtures. After a postponed game last weekend, we welcomed Sail to Victoria Road with the hope that the rain would stay away and the first 11 could maintain some momentum after a vital win away last time out. This week we hear from skipper James Cross about his team's fortunes. James Cross, over to you. So we were playing uh, a league fixture First one for a couple of weeks after a COVID cancellation against Congleton and we welcomed uh, Sale to Victoria Road. We had a bit of a delayed start due to the weather early doors on Saturday morning uh, and Sale won the toss and put us on into bat. We got off to a really good start with Angus and Jack Matson uh, opening the batting. Uh, they got us to about 40, 40 without loss, 50 without loss uh, before Jack fell. I went in at three and me and Gus got us to about 90 odd for one there or thereabouts before I got bowled. And then we did have a bit of a mini collapse. Uh, we went from about 95, 96 for one to probably about 110 for five. But uh, we did manage to get to 184 in the end, uh, thanks to some very good batting uh, by by people slightly down the order. So uh, Sam Buckingham, Miles Bradshaw, uh, Chris Moores amongst others and we did manage to uh, bat out all our 48 overs and like I said we got I think it was 186 or 184 um, so we felt that we were right in the game that's exactly what happened our bowling performance was uh, phenomenal we started off by taking a wicket in the third over uh, Miles Bradshaw got us off to a really good start along with Chris Moores at the other end did the majority of the damage managed to get sale sort of probably 40 for five there or thereabouts. And then Benny Kerwin came on as a change of ball into Chris Moores and uh, ended up taking his first five for, of the uh, of his first team career. So excellent stuff all around, uh, both with the batting. We managed to uh, really show some resilience and some fight to, to sort of graft to 180-odd uh, after the 48 overs. And then the most impressive thing was was our bowling and fielding performance uh, everyone who bowls, that's Morza, Birchie, Miles, um, Ben Kerwin, and Sam Hughes making his first team league debut, bowled superbly. And in the field as well, we were, we were magnificent. We took some, uh, really good catches. Uh, Morza, a cracking court and bowled, uh, off Tyrone, which, which really set us all out. Um, and it led us to bowl sale out for, for just over 90. So we, we ended up with about almost a hundred, run win uh, which gives us a bit of security from the drop I think it gives us about a 22 point gap now to to the relegation places so it's uh, a lot more positive with two wins on the bounce this upcoming week we've actually got two games on the Saturday we're due to be playing Bramall away um, that's a 12 o'clock start and on the Sunday we are playing the Covid rearranged fixture against Congleton uh, that at the moment is a 12 o'clock start, but it may change if England do make the Euro final. Uh, it may be moved to a little bit earlier. And unfortunately, the second 11 game was cancelled last weekend. So no Chris France to talk to you on the back of his 101 the previous week against Alderley. A well-earned rest for Frenchie. Experienced skipper Miles Horner was back leading the threes away at Wilmslow. And with a bit of rain in the air... They were keen to get on with it. For the rest of the match report, for the match report, I hand you over to Mr. Miles Horner. 
Macclesfield 3s made the short trip to Wilmslow Cricket Club on Saturday, knowing that with some pretty dodgy weather around, and indeed across the whole county, if we could get on and get a result, it would be a massive step in the right direction for uh, squeaking back a few points after a, a few disappointing performances. And I'm pleased to report that uh, in, a, in a worrying tradition this season, I yet again won the toss. Um, as you can imagine, it looked an absolute road, baking hard, um, you know, lightning fast outfield uh, in, in, in the quagmire that was Wilms. So, so, of course, I opted to bowl, which proved a, uh, a rather good decision um, with Wilms, though, only managing 59 for nine off 17.5 overs. Um, their 11th player, uh, in fact, who was arriving late, um, well, didn't arrive in time to, to be able to even bat um, and only made it onto the field to, to do a bit of fielding a bit later on. But yeah, just a really impressive and kind of professional performance from, from the third team. We welcomed back Ed Strong, who for some bizarre reason managed to get written down in the scorebook as Ed Large. So, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the Wilmslow scorer would, would apologise for that. Very, very strange behaviour. But uh, no, Ben Farmer and Ed Strong opened the bowling. Ben Farmer bowled six overs, one maiden, two wickets for 16 runs. And at the other end, as I mentioned, uh, Ed Strong back into the team. He bowled a fantastic spell, eight overs, two maidens, five wickets for 25 runs and sort of really ripped the heart out of the Wilmslow innings. And then the rest of the wickets for for myself um, and Alistair Knight. And as I say, not really much more to say than that, other than a couple of very good catches, one in particular from Mitch Morse to dismiss their opener and a decent grab from Chris Flint at short cover as well off the bowling of Ben Farmer. In reply, Macclesfield kind of went about the run chase, as you would imagine. Ian Kenny and the uh, recently promoted from the fourth team, Yash Jane, opened the batting. Ian has had uh, a couple of decent knocks at Wilmslow before and, and tends to enjoy the, the sloping nature of the pitch, whereby if you if you hit the ball square of the wicket, it tends to race away. Um, and even in the wet conditions, um, you know, Wilmslow found it pretty hard to score boundaries. Um, but Ian certainly didn't. Um, he made 35 before he was stumped uh, with the, 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 the required runs, not very many. Um, Yash unfortunately fell LBW to a, a really decent ball from uh, Mohamed Faisal, the, the Wilmslow captain and uh, perennially good bowler and performer in our league, probably takes 30 wickets a year. Um, so no shame there. Um, but Yash certainly looked solid and, and laid a good foundation in what could have been a tricky chase. But with Ian keen to sort of get on with it, um, we really broke the back of that chase pretty quickly. And then it was left to Joe Haig and Chris Flint to sort of see off the innings. Uh, Joe was trying to hit, uh, the, <laughs> hit, hit the winning runs of the six and, and managed a, about a seven bounce four um, with the, the shortest straight boundaries you've ever seen. And Chris Flint sort of came in and tried to do the same and, and ended up drilling the last uh, ball for four to, to seal the win for Mac. Um, so as I say, a really sort of impressive performance and, and managing to get the game over and done by half past two was exactly what we needed to do we got the results uh, before any weather sort of may or may not have turned up and it and it did help uh, Macclesfield's cause in chasing that promotion because if we look at the uh, division b table um, Ashley and Oxton were actually rained off at the weekend so only picked up seven points each so of course Mac got an 18 point swing um, which places back in fourth place on 215 points 
um, with third and second on 219 and 220. So at just around the halfway point, um, you know, Maka in a, in a really great position to to push on and, and secure that promotion that we've been we've been working towards for a number of years. Player of the day is a very easy one. Ed Strong for a fantastic spell of bowling. He's been away from the team for about four or five weeks now, and obviously to come back and uh, produce the goods was uh, exactly what we needed. So yeah, the player of the day is of course Ed Strong. The final fixture of the weekend to tell you about after a rained off game for the Sunday 11 is the fourth 11 at home against Holmes Chapel on Saturday. The ever-present skipper this year, Matt Cunningham, is going to talk you through Saturday's game involving lots of young players from the academy. The Saturday fours were on Parkside on the back of three wins in a row, hoping to make it four against a decent Holmes Chapel who were third in the league, so always a big test. Unfortunately, we lost a toss and they, not surprisingly, put us into bat. We know they're a very strong bowling unit. So we opened the batting with one of a few Saturday Fours debutants and under-15s player Billy Bridgewater alongside Tom Jennings. Both looked very comfortable. Billy played a couple of really nice shots, did not look out of water or out of place whatsoever. Unfortunately, he was out to a decent ball, moved away, and he was caught behind, which brought James Wilson to the crease alongside Tom. And they both looked good again, put on a few runs. Once Tom was out, that led to somewhat of a middle-order collapse. Uh, So despite Richard Flint's promising-looking 16, we found ourselves 46 for 6 and staring down a very low score, so not particularly good. But thankfully that brought, again, another of the uh, Saturday 4's debutants, Ollie Davis, to the crease. With 46 runs on the board, not very much, and he was brilliant. Um, Him, along with Fred Reardon, again another junior, set the standard really. They were superb and they um, played some very entertaining cricket, some really big shots and some very nice shots as well, it should be said. And between the pair of them, they managed to get us up to, amazingly, 170 all out which was far more than we were looking at previously and for us really competitive score in response we opened the bowling with ollie jennings on the back of his five for the previous week and ollie davis as well so some real pace bowlers there uh, for that standard which was great and they bowled well they bowled some really tight lines some really good stuff but to give their bats some credit they didn't get out too easy, they didn't play any silly shots, although having said that, we must have found the edge more than times than I can count, actually. Uh, we just did not get the rub of the green. Ball fell short a number of times, managed to find gaps, managed to go through for a few boundaries as well, which is why after the first 10 overs, despite some really good bowling, they did not lose a wicket and they had 50-odd runs on the board. So obviously the perfect start for them. Uh, which is why I turned to Charlie Ackley, take a bit of pace off the ball. Obviously, he's been bowling really well recently, and he rewarded my faith almost immediately. Uh, he took three wickets in his first three overs and really just basically changed the balance of the match. So that found them 83 for three, and then I managed to get myself in on the act, again, taking a bit of pace off the ball, and the wicket started to tumble. Ollie Jennings, in his second spell, took two key wickets, Toby Wilson, again, bowled very well. I can't remember how many times he found the edge of the bat, but he deservedly took a wicket as well, bowled um, their number seven, I believe. And before we knew it, they fell from 111 for five to 135 for eight. 
again chasing 1-7-1 to win. So it was a very tense finish. They were getting closer and closer to the 40-over mark. They needed about four or five runs and over. We managed to frustrate them a bit, but to give them credit, their number nine batsman, who I believe put on 30 not out, took it to the final over. They needed four runs to win, and they managed to do it with two or three balls to spare. So unfortunately, we came up just short, losing by one wicket with half an over to go which is very devastating to be fair because I thought we played some great stuff we fought our way back into that match more than one occasion it is how it goes sometimes doesn't always go your way maybe a few lessons learned a few opportunities missed in the field potentially but I can't fault the effort of the guys and especially those juniors who were absolutely brilliant and I can't wait to see more of them this season in terms of player of the day it has to be Ollie Davis that 80 he scored was absolutely superb he just changed the momentum of the game completely. He bowled very well for me. Um, he didn't take a wicket, though he deserved one. Uh, seven and a half overs bowled, 30 runs against. Also credit to Ollie Jennings. Two very important wickets for him. He was really good. Toby Wilson, fantastic. And obviously Charlie Ackley, unfortunately, got injured halfway through. Uh, so he could only bowl five overs, but he was absolutely superb. Only went for 14 runs, again, taking three wickets. Ollie Davis, player of the day for me. And... On to next week, where we are away at Congleton. So hopefully get back in the W column. And now moving on from the fourth team fixture, it uh, gives me great pleasure to introduce a new guest to the podcast. A relatively new addition to the club, this man has made an immediate impression both on and off the pitch with his spearheading of the over-40s team. His match reports have been generating nearly as much buzz as what may or may not be under his kilt. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the flying Scotsman himself, Mr. Keith Dixon. Keith, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now trying not to think about what's under my kilt for God's help anybody else that has to think about that. But, but interesting start. Thanks, Miles. Yeah. No, you're very welcome. In the interest of keeping it very family friendly, uh, we'll move swiftly on from that, Keith. Good idea. Now, at some point, we will be uh, sort of revisiting yourself uh, audio-wise, at any rate, uh, for, a, for a bit of a, a Get It Whacked feature-length podcast, and I'm sure there'll be lots of great stuff to to hear about the beautiful history of Scottish cricket, and I'm sure you feature, um, you know, way, way up the top of that. A short podcast. <laughs> Very good. But for now, obviously, we, you know, want to focus on the over-40s and, and, and what, what we've been doing there. Obviously, we've yet to have a, an over-40s match report on the Mac report, but um, as I mentioned, you've obviously been uh, kicking up a bit of a storm with your uh, your written match reports. But firstly, I, I just kind of wanted to get a flavour for, for what you've been doing with the over-40s team, really, this season, and perhaps we can talk about a little bit about what's going on. Um, so obviously, you've uh, you've taken up the mantle of sort of organiser and captain. Um, yeah, and, and how's it been going? Well, well, from my point of view, fantastic. I've absolutely loved it. Um, and I think, generally speaking, you'd get the same sort of feedback, I hope, and I, I certainly have been getting the same from uh, the team and not just necessarily the people who are playing, but also who are kind of on the WhatsApp group and, and enjoying some of the banter on that. Um, I think, to be honest, the, from what I understand, not just because of COVID, but probably just because the last couple of years, it's been a bit of an experience of trying to rebuild a, a you know, a... Um, a regular team, I suppose, or at least getting people getting people down for a match. So, um, in that respect, you know, it's it's been a great success. We've certainly managed to easily uh, field a team every week, which is not necessarily the easiest thing. And 
on a Wednesday night um, when you're needing to go to Bramall or, or, or Cathal or whatever. But I've absolutely loved it. The, um, the team have been fantastic. Uh, we've used quite a few different players from um, uh, from the group and uh, been a lot of fun. The results have been... Well, we've always been competitive. So, um, no, I lie, except in the sale games. We were definitely not competitive in that. But apart from that, it's... Um, it's been a it's been a great success from my point of view. Fantastic. Now I know you've registered a few wins and uh, registered a few not wins, but uh, what can you tell us about the most recent fixture? So last week we were in uh, Poynton for a match against um, I think they call themselves North Northeast Cheshire team of Cheshire cricket players from Cheshire. Is that about right? Yeah, so it's a it's an amalgamation of the formerly uh, Poynton and Disley cricket clubs that now sort of joined together to become Northeast Cheshire Cricket Club. But uh, you know, let's just call them Poynton. Yes, Poynton. We ca- I've called them Poynton match report after waffling about Northeast. But um, yeah, so that's um, that was an interesting match, not least because you have to get through Poynton's uh, interesting, uh, uh, you know, adoption of some sort of traffic system from I don't know where it comes from to be honest with you, but. Um, once we circumnavigated that, we um, we turned up on a lovely evening in Poynton, I have to say, uh, and we opted to no. We actually I lost the toss for about the first time all season actually, and um, they batted first and they put on 137, if I seem to recall correctly, um, which, if I'm being entirely honest, was about 25 more than they should have had if some of our knees had worked properly and we'd been able to bend over and pick up a ball. Um, and yeah, I think the truth is it was one of those games where we could sort of, I could, if I'm being honest, I could see it slipping through our fingers at about over a, about 11 or 12 overs in. We were, I think they were, I think they put on about 45 runs. Um, and so it looked, it looked all right. It looked quite good. It looked like we contained it. And then um, it certainly didn't go pear shaped. There were plenty of highlights. Uh, we had Richard Nash back in the team. Uh, Nick Heald always does his great bowling. Dave Cowan, DC, is always outstanding. Um, plenty to report that was good. But yeah, undoubtedly they had more runs than they should have. And I think we, knowing how much we can score in a game, I think I was a bit nervous already at that point that we'd sort of. Um, We've given them an edge that we shouldn't have had, put it that way. And then uh, in reply, how did the, the sort of batting innings come about? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of it came and went. Shall we do the, shall we do the highlights, I suppose, at, at first of it? Um, definitely a worthy mention to, to Nashi. Richard Nashi came back. Um, reports have it that the last time he played cricket properly was anything between 20 and 50 years ago. We're not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> Which version is correct? Um, by the end of his innings, it definitely looked like it was more than about 50 years. Um, but to be fair to him, he, he put on, a, I think, 26 or so uh, really nice innings. He did it the hard way, so I said in my report. He, he did it pretty much in singles and twos, which is just not the done thing in, um, in 40s cricket. You're meant to come in and smash it as hard as you can, um, definitely sort of into the T20 style. Um, but no, he decided to to place ones and twos all all over the pitch, uh, and it took him about four hours, from my recollection, to do it. If I'm being honest, um, but but to be fair, he got runs, bless him. Um, and uh, well, Ginger Spice, as we've now renamed him, 
uh, yeah, he he did he did very well. But I don't know if I should mention this because there has been a bit of chat about no balls from uh, square lug umpires this season, and I think I don't know if you know this, Miles, or what you've probably experienced it. There's there's probably been some instances where they weren't given where they should have, and so on and so forth. I've set in my head about heard about controversy, and I happen to know that the person who's this is a weird thing to say this, but the person who's referred to in the match reports as a Scottish player, no idea who it could be. We're still trying to work it out. And of course, it's bad, bad luck to say their names. But the, they were at square leg when, when Nashi was on 26. And it, I think the arm was about to go up for a no ball. But to be honest, Nashi looked so knackered that it came down pretty quickly. And so I think he'd, he'd, he, he was probably grateful that it wasn't a no ball. Um, so we let him away with that. And then we had John Smart, who um, recently became, I don't know if he's the team's first grandfather, but he certainly is a grandfather now. Um, and uh, But he's very young and sprightly, 57. I think he won't thank me for saying that. He, uh, John returned to form and put on about 20, 28, I think. don't think anybody made it to 30, but some really good innings. Uh, and then Rupert Dixon, who I've got, I say in the match report, but I'll say I'll say here again. I've never started a team. I've never started a match with somebody who's in a work meeting as the game begins. He he had. He, I asked him if he was available this week. He said yes, but I'm going to be in a meeting from six till seven. And I said, this was on WhatsApp. And I said, well, the game starts at six. So how is that going to work? He went, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So he turned up with his he turned up with his mobile phone and his headset on. And he was out fielding for the first 40 minutes uh, in the meeting, basically, in, in short. But he, he must have been a great meeting because he then um, he then put on, I think, 27, 28 as well, uh, made up the fours and sixes, just how it should be done, Nashi. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I suppose they take care of about 90. We ended up with 114. So, yes, the um, the 20, 30 or so that we let through our legs and through our fingers, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, um, proved absolutely crucial, to be honest. And I think, Miles, you know, it, was one of those, it was one of those games, actually, where, you know, I have said, we do have a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. I certainly do. Uh, but it was certainly one of those games where you just kind of wanted to remind people, not not the players, but just to say that there's a lot of, there's still there's a lot of competition in the team still. There's a lot of passion. We're not just a bunch of comedy cooks. There's, um, you know, we were, you know, winning isn't easy, but losing is sometimes harder, and we didn't necessarily really enjoy that. Um, but on the other hand, we all made it out for a beer after, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad either. Absolutely, and I suppose that's the uh, the enduring thing about uh, any form of cricket, really, isn't it? Um, you know, especially with Mac, we, we turn up to play hard and, and play serious, and always enjoy a beer afterwards. Absolutely, once it's done, it's done, and and, and don't get me wrong, there was no there was no great thing to it, but I think we all just kind of felt like, ah, okay, we could have won that one, um, and uh, you know, but onwards and upwards, we're at um, Woodley this week, or at least in the next game, anyway. Um, we were competitive against them last time. Uh, we hear a rumour they've got a ringer, a former professional, on the way. But um, you know, we, we'll we'll um, we'll put up a good fight, and I, I always go into it with a good feeling. I always feel like we're we're there or thereabouts, apart from apart from the sale game. But we we we're all possibly our own worst enemy in the sale game anyway. 
with some of the umpiring decisions that were made early on, not talking about Oregon at all. Well, our last piece of business uh, is certainly uh, for, for, for today's podcast is to, is to ask you for a player of the day. And for last week. Uh, oh, absolutely. So I think who, who springs to mind? I mean, if you can if you can mix cricket with board meetings, uh, and uh, who who says men can't multitask? So I think I would give it to. Uh, well, that's a tough one. Oh God. Uh, we have already said who, who I'm giving it to. So I'll, I'll give it to Rupert Dixon um, for that alone for his multitasking. But I would also give a special mention to. The Nashi for um, a wonderful 26, if a tad boring. And just to confirm, uh, Rupert is very much your brother from another mother. Um, well, I have said that, yes, he possibly is. I've been, I have been looking in hope that there is a family connection. He, however, has been looking in hope that there isn't a family connection. Um, so it remains to be seen. Well, Keith, it's uh, it's been great to, to have you on the podcast and obviously welcome to the podcast. As I Thank say, you. I'm sure we'll have you back for a, a full feature length Get It Whacked in the future. Um, and uh, certainly as one of our valued patrons, thank you very much for that. And as I say, it's great, great to have you on. Um, and we look forward to, to perhaps hearing some more from the over 40s and indeed the rich, rich history of Dixon Scottish cricket in the future. Yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> excellent mate all the best all right thank you it is great to hear that so many academy players youngsters coming through into the saturday and the sunday sides we only hope that that is going to continue and the club is going to go from strength to strength especially with school fixtures now finishing at the end of their summer term we look to welcome any players back and anyone who is interested in getting involved and, and playing for the club, please get yourself down to training on Tuesday and Thursday and make yourself available for fixtures on Saturday. There's only one thing left to say, and that is it's coming home.